All right, you got to start the service, turn to your neighbors, but you're going to have to yell real loud because there are a few chairs down. Just wish everybody a happy new year all the way around the room. Real quick, get loud. Come on, there you go, there you go, bring it. Good stuff. It is a new year. It is 2022. That means all kinds of new things uh, ahead of us in the new year. We're off to a new start. OSU is undefeated in 2022. Come on now, how about that? That's a new year. That's a new thing. We also have a new ministry event that's coming called Beast Feast, all right, or the Wild Game Feast. We want to invite you. Put it on your calendar. This is for everybody. You don't have to be a hunter. You don't have to even have had uh, any kind of critter meat before, but we're going to bring it to you on January the 30th. It's for the whole church, all ages. Anybody can come. There will be a registration this month so we can have enough food prepared, and we're going to have venison. We're going to have duck. We're going to have fish, uh, maybe some elk couple things. We've been watching Beverly Hillbillies reruns and getting a lot of Granny's recipes all together. And we want to challenge you to come and taste what we used to have to eat before McDonald's. All right? Well, maybe it's the same. I don't know. But you're going to find out come January the 30th. Also, New Year's usually brings, for most people, new resolutions. It's a new year. And have you ever said this? This is going to be the year that I turn it around. This is going to be the year, it's going to be different this year. Man, I'm going to do better this year. Have you ever been there? You ever start off a new year and every time have the greatest of intentions and keep having the same results? Keep running back to the same old life you experienced the year before. Well, I want to start a new series and, and, and hopefully take you through God's Word where that doesn't have to be the case. You don't have to keep living in an issue of bondage or you don't have to keep living under a stronghold that maybe has developed in your life. Uh, those things that you've been thinking about this year, man, I really want to live differently. How do you get victory? Well, we're going to see that this year as we learn to walk by faith. You read throughout Scripture, all of Scripture points to Jesus, but all of Scripture also shows you what you're able to accomplish through Christ. That Christ not only saves you and has saved you from your sin, has not only called you into the promised land of glory to spend eternity with him, but he also gives you his resurrection power to have victory to walk by faith. Matter of fact, scripture says don't walk by sight. Don't walk by what you see and what you feel. You're to walk by faith. What does that mean? The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. So if we're going to live a life pleasing to God, it means we live a faithful life. What does that look like? Why do we struggle with being faithful? Maybe we're faithful in certain areas of our life, but then there are other areas of our life where we struggle. Well, part of that has been human history, and part of that is the human experience, and we're actually going to learn through the story of Israel. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn today to Exodus chapter 1. And since we have plenty of time, we're going to go through half the book of Exodus, this one sermon. All right, you ready? Strap on your seatbelt. And I'm going to fast forward through some chapters, but let's start in verse 1. As we look at Israel's history, we're going to see literal, physical history that happened on this planet. We're going to see what literally happened to the people of Israel as they were living in Egypt. But as we look at their story, God was using that story to paint his story. God was using what they would go through in Egypt and forward to show us how we could have life abundantly and life eternally. How we can experience victory and not bondage. What does it look like? Let's learn from history. We wake up, Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. 
And it says that they now are living in Egypt and there was a new king who knew not Joseph. Now what, the wor- what in the world does that mean? Well, you'd have to know Bible history. You'd have to know that as we wake up in Exodus 1, it is 400 years later after Joseph had been sold out by his brothers. If you know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, you know he was the youngest of all the brothers of Israel. And we find that they were all jealous of this little baby brother. How many of you have a baby brother or a baby sister? Everybody got a baby brother, baby sister? Are they not the most spoiled people on the planet? Can I get an amen from the congregation? Of course they are, right? That isn't just Joseph. It's every baby of the family. Those that are babies love me unconditionally. We're loving you unconditionally, all right? So here we are. We got Joseph, and his brothers are extremely jealous. I mean, he always gets seconds to dessert. He always gets cool clothes from dad. He's always getting an extra hug. He is the favored child. Well, all the brothers are bitter at this kid, and so they decide they're going to kill him because they're sick and tired of him being daddy's favorite. So as they set up this thing, they collaborated together, they get him out in the country, and they're ready to just take him out so they don't have to deal with him anymore, and they can have all their daddy's inheritance. God intervenes, and one of the brothers says, we can't kill him, that wouldn't be right, we don't want his blood on our hands. Whoa, 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 there are some slave traders, let's make some money off this guy. Let's sell him, let's make a little profit, we can be rid of him, and we all win. Joseph was sold into slavery. The slave traders would take him into Egypt. Now, this happened 400 years before this verse. And as he got into Egypt, he was greatly favored. The favor of God was on his life. He wasn't bitter because of what his brothers did to him. He continued to live a godly life in an ungodly culture. Did you know that's possible? Did you know that just because a culture doesn't worship God, you can still be a worshiper who has favor of God? Joseph did it. Nobody else was doing it in Egypt, but Joseph continued to walk righteously. You can go back and read his story. I love Joseph's story because he's a guy of victory. He doesn't cave to temptation. He doesn't give in to his culture. He lives righteously in an unrighteous world. Well, if you read over his story over time, God would use him over a period of time, and he would go through some terrible injustices. Terrible things happened even though he was doing the right things. We're going to learn that in this story, A Journey of Faith. Not everything is simple, not everything is clean and easy, but it is right before the Lord. Over time, Joseph is entrusted by Pharaoh to be second in command. God gave him a vision and told him that a big drought was coming to all that region of the world, that there would be a great famine that would last for years and people would lose their lives, but God showed Joseph how to prepare for the famine. He began collecting over years a storehouse of grain and food so that the people could survive the famine. And it would be through that time that he would save all of Egypt and including his people, Israel. His his brothers would not know that Joseph was alive, didn't know he was the guy who was second in command. All they knew is they needed groceries and so they come to Egypt for help. They're reunited with their brother they thought was either dead or enslaved somewhere in the world find that he's number two in command in Egypt. And in that season of life, all was good. The brothers moved into Egypt. They had a reunion with their brother. God brought them back in reconciliation. Uh, there was survival through the famine. And Pharaoh looked to Joseph as his number one man. It was great. And all was well. 
And over the years, Israel continued to live in Egypt and multiply. Now, 400 years later, there are 2 to 3 million of them living in this place called Egypt. There's now a new leader in town, a new Pharaoh, 400 years later. He doesn't know the story of Joseph. He doesn't know the blessing of Israel. All he knows is he's the leader of a great empire, the greatest empire on the planet at that time. What he also knows is if he's going to build his empire to be larger and bigger than anybody else's, he needs a workforce. And so what does he do? He looks out the land, he sees foreigners, Israel, who were not Egyptians, and he said, they will be my slaves and they will build my kingdom. As he gets down in verse 11, jump down to verse 11, it says, he appointed taskmasters over them to oppress them with hard labor. As we go through the story in Exodus, we're going to see the literal story, but we're also going to see the literal story paints a spiritual truth. What happened literally is also a reality in the spiritual realm. So what does that mean? As you look in the story, you see Israel, that's the people of God. That would be an example of you and me in the story. Pharaoh, the God of the land, the leader of the land, the one who wanted to be worshipped, the one who had the kingdom, is representative of Satan. You say, how's that Satan? Well, the Bible says that when man sinned, he gave over the keys, if you will, to the one who tempted them, Satan, and he became the God of this world, little g. God, big G, created the world. Little g, for a season, got the keys to this world when we, when we abdicated our dominion and gave it to him through sin. That would be the Pharaoh. And as we look at the story and we see how Pharaoh relates to the people of God, we see how the enemy relates to your life and mine. Look at verse 11. First thing this Pharaoh wanted to do is he said, I'm going to oppress these people. These people will serve me. You understand that that's Satan's whole desire? From the very beginning of time when he was cast down from heaven as an angel before the Lord, uh, we find that he has always been trying to get God's creation to serve him. He got Adam and Eve to do it. He's going to get you and me to try to do it. And he'll do everything in the world to ruin your life, to kill, steal, and destroy. And how does he do it? Through bondage of sin. We wake up in this picture in verse 11 and it says that the Pharaoh appointed taskmasters. In Ephesians 6 it says our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with demons and spirits and principalities that are on assignment to bring wickedness and things into our lives to destroy us. That's where our battle is. The oppression of the spiritual realm. A lot of people don't believe in those things. Uh, why do I? Because scripture teaches it and Jesus believed it. Because it is truth. And the, the spiritual realm is more real than this realm because this realm will only last a lifetime. Spiritual realm is eternal and forever. And so as we look at their history, we will see our history. The first thing I want you to see is that the enemy wants to oppress you. You're going into 2022, you're already wrestling with some things. The new year automatically gets you to think about new goals, a new year, a new you. There are things that every one of us are thinking about that need to change in 2022. Those would be issues of oppression. Look at verse 7. The Lord said, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their outcries. They were crying to God in their, in their pain and their suffering. And under the wickedness of this Pharaoh, this servant that they were doing all this work for, and he was being so brutal to them. They cry out to God and say, God, help us. God, deliver us. I remember 
When I was 17 years old, I remember staring against a black ceiling. It was late one night. It was dark in my room. It was dark in my heart. I had a good life. Things were going well, and yet there was an emptiness, a hole in my heart. And I remember laying there and saying, God, if this is all there is, this is all there is to life, I don't want to live it another day. I was miserable because I didn't have a relationship with God. The God of this world owned me, and I was in great bondage to sin. And then I remember Cammie taking me to church, and I remember hearing the gospel, and it was, it was the Word of God that began to set me free. And then it was the capital W, the Word of God, Jesus, who would set me free on October 18, 1981. When I came to realize I couldn't fix it, I couldn't get better, I couldn't do better this year than the year before, only God could fix my mess. That happened in your story? Has there been a defining moment where God has set you free from the oppression of sin and the God of this world? You say, Bill, what does that mean? Well, let's follow the story. Verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. God declares, he says, I've heard their prayers. I've seen their misery. I've seen the oppression of this Pharaoh. And I have come down to get in the middle of that mess and to fix it and deliver them from that oppression. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas. That was God coming down. That was God coming to deliver us from our oppression. How does it happen? Take a look at it. He says, not only will I deliver them from this Pharaoh or from the power of the Egyptians, but I will also bring them up to the land, the promised land, a land of milk and honey. And so what we're seeing in all this is we're seeing a picture of God's redemption of how we're set free from sin and given abundant life and eternal life. How do we get there? Fast forward. Now we're in Exodus chapter 12. Look at how fast you're going through Exodus. Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. God comes to Moses, and if you read through this, he tells them what to tell the people. Now before chapter 12, you would have seen 10 plagues that God would use in the land to get Pharaoh's attention. 10 different gods of Egypt were being addressed in those plagues, And Pharaoh refused to let Israel go. Finally, God says, okay, it's time, Moses. This is going to break Pharaoh's back. Here's what you're going to do. Tell all the people, tell all of Israel to to have faith in my word, to do what I say. I want them to take a male, unblemished lamb and sacrifice that lamb as an act of worship. I want you to take the blood of that lamb for that family, and I want you to dip hyssop in it, and I want you to put it over the doorposts and the lentils of that house. I want you to paint a picture with the blood of that lamb. And this night that is coming, I will send a death angel, and it will pass over all of Egypt, and wherever it sees the address of an Israelite, is that what it says? No. Wherever I see the blood of the lamb... That household will be saved. Wherever I don't see the blood, that firstborn of that family and that household will taste death. The next morning when everybody woke up, wherever there was a household without the blood of the lamb that was not covered, that didn't place their faith in what God had said and place their faith in the blood, they experienced death. Those who were under that faith step, faith in what God had said and faith in the blood, they were saved from death. It was a picture of what Christ would accomplish on the cross. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world were not little critters back in Israel, but it was God who came down to deliver us from our sins. 
And so here's the timeline. Take, take a look. Let's put the timeline up here on, uh, on the screen here. What you find is Israel born into Egypt over 400 years, and they were now slaves. They were in the land of bondage. When we're born into this world, we're going to see from Scripture that we're born into a life of bondage to sin and the God of this world. The next phase you're going to see in the story that we just read about was the deliverance stage, how you can be delivered from bondage, how the God of this world doesn't have to have control of you, how sin doesn't have to own you. You can be set free. That happens not by more willpower, not by New Year's resolutions, but a new way of living by looking to the blood of the Lamb. What does that mean? We'll look at it in a moment. And as we begin this new day, this new life in our deliverance, now we're free in Christ, now we find what this journey looks like. And you're going to see the very first thing which we're going to study today is the Red Sea experience. This life, this life we have in Christ is abundant, yes, but it's also difficult. It's a roller coaster ride of ups and downs, of challenges and attacks from the enemy. But there's great victory every step of the way if we trust him and don't cave to the test. And finally, one day when we take our last breath, he has promised us the promised land, a heaven, eternity with God in his presence. So how do we get there? What does that look like? Well, look at your timeline. We start off with the issue of bondage. What, Egypt, or what Israel experienced in Egypt, let me show you our Egypt in the New Testament. Hold your place, we'll come back to it, but go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let's see this issue of bondage. Just like Israel, they didn't desire to be slaves, they just woke up 400 years later and now they were slaves to this Pharaoh. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says this, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men. Now, this is in the male species. This is talking about humankind. That's male and female. If you're breathing, that's you. You're part of the human race. It is spread to all of us because all have what? Sin. Every one of us. You don't have to confess what that is publicly today, but we can all confess we have all sinned and come short of God's glory. Here's the bad news. John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, Everyone who commits sin. Who has committed sin? Who is that? Everyone. Here it is for every one of us. Everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Now, it's been passed down to us. We get it from our ancestors, our original great, 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 great however many great granddaddy it was, Adam and Eve. Their DNA runs through our blood. Just like it said in Romans 5, through that one man, Adam, all sin has been passed on to all of us. They looked at sin, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they looked at it like we look at sin. Satan dresses it up. He makes it look pretty. He makes it taste good. And everybody's doing it. And therefore, we think, what am I missing? I, I, I want in. You remember Adam and Eve, they're looking at it, and they're like, man, I, that, that can't be bad. It looks so good. How can it be bad? Even the enemy said, man, how can that be bad? Look at it. Problem is, we're looking at the wrong things. We're looking to the wrong things to fulfill us. We're looking to the wrong things to complete us. Rather than trusting the one who created us and gave us paradise and a promised land, we look to the stuff of this world. 
We're no different than Adam and Eve. And when we play with that sin, when we think, man, that's going to be good. Surely it won't kill me. Surely it won't hurt me. We then become slaves to that very thing. And every one of us in this room have an issue of some sort of bondage. It can be a mental bondage. It can be a way that we think. It can be an issue of a habit that is an issue of our bondage. It can be an attitude. It can be any of those things, of things that we think, things that we say, or things that we do, but we become enslaved to that issue. It can even be an issue of bitterness or unforgiveness. It can be an issue of lust of the flesh or lust of the eyes or the boastful pride of life. And we all wrestle with it. But there's deliverance. We try to break from it. We make our New Year's resolutions. We try harder this year than we did the year before. And we find ourselves still in bondage. How do you get your freedom? Let me show you in the New Testament. How did Israel get their freedom? God delivered them. How do we get our freedom? God delivers us. Hebrews 9, 22. Write it down. Take a look on the screen. Hebrews 9, 22. It says, and according to the law, one may almost always say, all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You can join this church. That ain't going to save you. You can get baptized in that baptistry. That ain't going to save you. You can go to Falls Creek a hundred times. That ain't going to save you. You can be a preacher of a Baptist church. That isn't going to save you. You can quit doing things this year that you did last year. That isn't going to save you. There's only one thing that cleanses your sin. It is the blood of the Lamb. What was it? What was it that gave Israel their freedom? Is it because they were from the lineage of Abraham? Is it because they'd been circumcised? Is it because they'd kept the law? The Bible says that the Spirit came over Egypt and it looked for one thing. It didn't look for a resume of did their good outweigh their bad. It didn't look for, are you on the rolls of having the blood of Abraham and are you of the right family lineage? What did it look for? One thing, the blood of the Lamb. It was a picture, true what happened for Israel, but it was a picture for all of the human race to understand the only way I can be right with a holy God is for my sins to be covered by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Has there been a time in your human history where you realized that your sin, and we've all sinned, that you realized your sin separated you from a holy God, and that your only hope, you couldn't overcome that sin, you couldn't conquer that sin, but Jesus has? Has there been a time in your life where you said, Lord, I can't fix it, and Lord, I've sinned against you, but Lord, I invite you to take over control of my life. I invite you to be the Lord of my story that happened for you? If that hasn't, I pray that 2022 would be the start of your faith journey. And if you have made that decision, then how can you have victory in your Christ journey? We're going to see that in the book of Exodus. But one more verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says this, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. What is that saying? We're born in this world, just like Israel was born over hundreds of years, and they were born, they weren't Egyptians, but they were born in Egypt. They were under the curse of that birthplace. They became enslaved to that Pharaoh. 
The Bible says when we are born in this world, we are born of the lineage of Adam. And if I'm born in this world and all I have is this physical life and I die in Adam, I die separated from God. But if I look to the blood of the Lamb, as they did in Egypt, if I look to what Christ did for me on the cross and I place my faith in that blood, then I die in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, the Bible says, I will live. I don't stand before you with a confidence that when I take my last breath, I'll go to heaven because I'm a Baptist preacher. I have that confidence because the blood of the lamb is over the doorposts and the lentils of my life. I am under the blood of Jesus, and that's all God's looking for. Have you placed your life under the blood of Jesus? If you have, you begin a journey of faith. What does that look like? How do we have victory? Go to Exodus chapter 14. Let's, let's follow along. Exodus 14 and verse 1. As they begin this new journey, they now have been delivered from the bondage of Pharaoh, just like you and I have been delivered from the bondage of Satan in our life who owned us. We now start marching towards heaven, towards the promised land. And as they started marching, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and to camp before Pahiroth between Migdal and the sea, and you shall camp in front of Baal Zephon opposite by the sea. And what are, the, what are we talking about? Go ahead and throw up the map if you can. If you'll fast forward to the map, take a look at the map here. Uh, there's Egypt on the left. You see at the very top, a green, it should be a green line from your perspective with this wonderful projector. It may be gray, but that top line, that's the fastest way to the promised land. The shortest distance between any two points. I know that's not exactly a straight line, but that's as straight as it got in Israel, or to get there. Now, you can't see it, but the purple line, the much more, uh, the thinner line that's coming down south, where you see all the numbers, one, two, three, four, all the way around, that's the actual path that they took to get to the promised land. It took them 40 years. If you look at the geography, it only should have taken them some weeks or months to get to the promised land. It took them over 40 years, and they still didn't get it, wondering in the wilderness. Well, as God leads them, and we'll come back to this map in a little while, you'll see point number three, God leads them south and leads them right up against the Red Sea. Why did he do that? Well, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, it says that if you were to go back and read in the context and read all these chapters we're skipping through, if he would have taken them on the green route, that was the land of the Philistines. And he said, I can't take them that way because the giants will keep them from following me. The enemy loves to intimidate us, loves to lie to us, lies to convince us that we can't have victory, that the things in this world are too difficult and too tough, this issue in my life, I can't have victory. Lie after lie after lie. And because they were going to walk by their eyesight and not by faith, God had to take them on a different route. And he's taking them on this route to build their faith. What I want you to understand is if you know Christ, if you've placed your faith in the blood of the Lamb and you are saved today, you're on this journey of faith. And as you take your journey, there's going to be ups and downs. There are going to be all kinds of tests and all kinds of trials. And it will be extremely challenging and very difficult at times. But every step of the way... God will be your champion, and God will give you the victory. But here's what you need to see. Go down to verse 
5. Verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. And they said, what is this that we've done that we've let Israel go from serving us? Pharaoh says, I can't let go of two to three million with my workplace, my slaves, my servants. Get them back. And what does he do? He develops a plan to go back and get that which he has lost. If you know Christ today, I want you to understand something. The enemy just doesn't say, oh, I lost that one. Oh, man, that old Bill Hulse, man, I, he was a good old servant of mine, man. He did some good stuff for me, and God, I lost him on October 17, 1981. And so I'll go get somebody else. No, the enemy doesn't quit chasing you. He doesn't quit pursuing you. He may not get to own you again, but he sure can make you miserable. Anybody experience that? I have. And so what does he do? Verse 6. He made his chariots ready, he took his people with him, and he took 600 select chariots. Not just last year's model, he got the brand new fleet altogether, the best of the very best. And I want you to understand something, in 2022, you may have all these visions of a new year and having new victories, but I want you to understand, there's also a satanic plan to stop you from experiencing God's victories. He'll send everything he can to kill, steal, and destroy. That was his only objective. As we look at verse 8, we find that the next step in our journey is we come under attack. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out how? Boldly. Can you see the picture? They've been slaves. They've had no resources. They've had no prestige. They've had no position in society for hundreds of years. And all of a sudden, the God of the world has just showed up on their behalf, has done all these plagues, showed Pharaoh that they are the special chosen people of God, and they win. Like winning a bowl game when you're behind for two quarters, and it doesn't look like there's any way you're going to come back, and all of a sudden, at the end of the game, you're the Fiesta Bowl champion. Those guys, they start getting that cocky walk going, that head starts a-bobbing, the chest is puffed out. And they go marching out before Pharaoh, see ya. There's high-fiving, they're slapping each other, they're having their victory parade. They have just defeated the greatest king and his army on the planet. Talk about a bowl victory, these guys are on top of the world. I remember when I first started my faith journey, I remember that night I got saved at that crusade and the very next morning I woke up in Christ instead of in my sin and I woke up thinking, man, I finally found the answer to life. And I had. What I didn't understand is life was still going to be messy. What I didn't understand was Satan was still going to keep attacking. What I didn't understand was life wasn't going to be a piece of cake. I thought it was going to be easy. I thought I'd no longer struggle with sin. I thought I'd just live for Jesus all the days. I'd sing, I'd learn the words to Kumbaya, and I'd sing it with you, and we'd go all the way to heaven with each other. Never understanding I'd come under great attack more than ever before. I started off boldly. And there's some of you, you've started off boldly before. You've been excited about the things of God, and you said, man, I love God more than anybody on the planet. And then if you were honest today, your heart has maybe gotten as cold as it is outside. What started off like December of 2021, you were on fire for God. It was, it was a lot warmer in 2021, was it not? Now today, you're as cold as 2022. Well, let's take a look. Verse 9. How do we get back to where we need to be? Verse 9. 
So the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and all their chariots, and they overtook them as they were camping by the sea. Let's look at that map one more time. You can throw the map back up there again. They left Egypt up there at the very top in the north. They go walk, and God takes them to the beach. Wouldn't you love to be on the beach right now? Doesn't that sound great? That sounded great to them too. And God marches them. And how'd they get to the Red Sea? God took them there. Because he couldn't take them the short route. He couldn't go the turnpike. They would have caved under fear. So he takes them this route. But he's going to grow their faith. He's going to grow their faith at the Red Sea. The very first thing we see happen for Israel is the Red Sea experience. What we see is Satan doesn't give up. Satan's always attacking We have a desire to march out boldly and to live for God, but there will always be attacks along the way. They come to the Red Sea. So here they are on the beach. That sounds like a fun place to be. That's really cool at first until you see what they see. You see, they had gone out marching boldly. They were going to be the favorite of God. Nobody's going to mess with these people. God's already shown they're the favored ones. We got this. They're marching out boldly as if they were always going to have victory. Life was always going to be simple. Now they come under great attack. And it happened at the Red Sea. So here they are. And, and, and remember, there's two to three million Israelites. It's not like there's 200. Two to three million of them. And they're trapped all up against the Red Sea. On this side is the army that has surrounded them and has trapped them. They got big problems. And as they realize, they go from singing Kumbaya and roasting the marshmallows right there on the beach to all of a sudden seeing the enemy completely engulfing them and they're dead meat. They don't have weapons. They don't have bullets. They don't have spears. They're just two million people sitting there on the beach. And they're trapped. And it certainly looks like all is done. Maybe you feel trapped right now. Maybe you're free in Christ. He's forgiven you of your sins. You've placed your faith in his blood. But you feel trapped in something. A habit. An attitude. A thought life. Maybe maybe it's just ignoring what God wants for your life. Maybe that's where you're trapped. I know I need to be doing this, but I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I want to do what I want to do. Maybe you feel trapped. How do we get there? Verse 10. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. You see, their first problem, their first mistake, let's rewind the tape for a minute. What did we learn? We start off when they were in Egypt, and when they were in Egypt, they knew that their only hope was vertical. Do you remember when they were in Egypt? Every day they woke up, they woke up praying to God, God, help us. God, deliver us. They had a vertical perspective. But then when they got their freedom, they were set free, where did their perspective go? It went horizontal. Oh man, I can't wait to get to that milk and honey. I can't wait to have this. Oh man, I want this. And they became horizontal in their perspective. Oh man, we get to live by the beach. Come on, man, let's do the Red Sea. Now they're hanging out at the beach. Horizontal perspective. Then they look around, and what do they see? Horizontally, they see the enemy. If they had been vertical, they would have seen victory. Because they're looking horizontal, all they can see is their problem. I watch way too many Christians living horizontally. 
Wow, it's too many people cave because, oh, I got this problem. Oh, what was me? Oh, this is a life. Oh, we sit around always moaning and groaning and complaining because we're living down here rather than living up here. What's Colossians chapter 3 say? Colossians 3 chapter 1 verse 2 says, if you've been raised up with Christ, that very Christ who died on a cross, yes, who spilt his blood, that's where we get the blood of the Lamb. That very one who died on a cross is the same one who rose from the grave and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he says, if you've been raised up with Christ, then you need to keep seeking the things above. What are those things? Jesus, his throne, his kingdom. Do you know what we seek? This stuff. Every morning, every day we wake up, we live in this stuff. And we forget to begin the day and live the day with a vertical perspective. What if in 2022, instead of looking at all this stuff, instead of looking at what uh, issues I have or what things I need to change in 22, what if I look to the one who can change those things? You see the difference? When they were in Egypt, they were focused above. When they got their freedom, they were focused down here. And because they had the wrong focus, it led to the wrong result. They started living by fear. Look at it again, verse 10. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, they saw the Egyptians marching after them, and they became very frightened. Romans 8.15 says, God's not given us a spirit of fear. If you have a fear, man, I don't know if I'll ever get victory in this part of my life, or I don't know if I could ever live for Christ like I need to. I don't know if. If you're living under a cloud of fear, that is a sign that you're not walking by faith. It's a sign that fear has set up shop, and that has control, not the God that you have faith in. He says, but listen to this. I've not given you that spirit of fear, but listen to what he says he has given you. I've given you a spirit of adoption. And what, what in the world, what does that have to do with the spirit of fear? Well, spirit of fear says, the enemy owns me. The enemy is going to destroy me. But God said, don't live that way. Understand who you are. I have adopted you. You are my child. And it says this, I have given you a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So you can live 2022 focusing on your issues, focusing on others who have issues, look around. You can focus on all the stuff down here on earth, or you can focus on your heavenly Father. And when you focus on Abba, Father, and you realize I'm a child of the King, what can this dude do to me? He's got to go through my daddy. And my daddy, greater is he who's in me than any enemy in this world. But no, we don't look to the Father. We look to our willpower. We look to our New Year's resolutions. We look to what we're going to do better than what we used to do. And we always fail. We lose the vertical focus. So let's go back to Exodus. Let's try to wrap it up. You ready to go home? only cold outside let's stay where it's warm here we go verse 11 exodus 14 so moses and we've talked about this before the people are trapped and the people come against moses and they're not happy they know they're about to die and they said to moses is it because there were no graves in egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness and this to me this is comical they start blaming the leader moses the only reason we're out here because you uh, no, 
you were the ones crying to God. I'm only here because God sent me to answer your prayers, to be your deliverer. It's your fault. You did all the whining to God, and he gave you what you asked for. He gave you your freedom. They're turning on Moses. And they say, watch this. Verse 12, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So these guys that started marching out boldly, we own the world, we are the world, whatever. Now all of a sudden, they're a bunch of crybabies and a bunch of losers. Okay, we quit. Uh, we can't win. Uh, the enemy's too big. They're too strong. It would have been better for us. Let's go back to where we used to be. And if you don't listen to this sermon, you'll go back to living like you lived in 2021, and you'll go back to an issue of bondage unless you let Jesus set you free. Been better for us. Man, I know that I lost my family. I know I lost my job. I know I lost my joy. But man, at least I got to party. Man, I know that that habit drained my bank account. I know that that boyfriend or girlfriend, I thought, just dumped me and just, uh, uh, boy, some of you won't remember this, but somebody you broke up with back in eighth grade, there was a reason you broke up, but man, five years later, you forget why, and all of a sudden, they look prettier five years later. We forget, and we think it's better to go back rather than go forward. So Moses said to the people, he comes up with a game plan. What are we going to do, Moses? How are we going to survive this? They're going to kill us. What are we going to do? You're our leader. And Moses said, uh, uh, what did I learned? Oh, I didn't go to military school. Uh, uh, I don't know. Let me go ask God. Well, go ask. And he goes and talks with God. He comes back and he talks and he says, God's given us a game plan. Here's, here's what we're going to do. And everybody holds up. All right, what are we going to do? How are we going to beat these guys? We need to learn karate. What are we, what are we going to do? Here's what you do. You ready? Do nothing. Just sit here. Excuse me? How do you defeat the greatest military on the planet by doing nothing? Look at it. Look at, watch this. Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. You see, their problem was they thought, how do I fix it? How do I have victory? What do I have to do? Guys, I had to learn a long time ago, and I'm still learning, but I learned some of it. I learned a long time ago. I couldn't conquer the things of my past. I couldn't conquer those things that had owned me, those strongholds that have built up over years, those things I was trying not to do any longer now that I was a child of God that I kept doing when I wasn't a child of God. And I kept trying harder and harder, and I kept making more promises to God and saying, God, if you'll forgive me one more time, I'll never do it again. And it worked for about two or three months. And I'd go back to old things again. It wasn't until I realized literally this truth that God taught Moses and Israel at the Red Sea. Bill, if you had the strength to defeat it, I would have never had to come from heaven and die on a cross. If you had the strength to overcome sin, I would have never had to die for your sin. You can't do it. But I can. And that's where I came to understand that I can do all things through Christ. Not for Christ, 
Not trying harder to be better and to overcome that, but to do it through Christ. But how do you do it through Christ? You've got to let Christ do it. You've got to be in that point where you're overwhelmed and you realize, I don't have the resources. I don't have the weaponry. I don't have the ability. But I do have faith in him. That's what it means to walk by faith. Christ, deliver me from the enemy. Watch this, verse 14. And the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. When? When you are silent. In other words, not when you shut your mouth. It's when you quit working the problem. It's when you release the problem. You say, I can't do it. So God, I'm going I'm to be silent. I'm, I'm going to be the silent partner here. Take it. That's how God delivered me from a struggle with alcohol. That's how God continues to, to deliver me through all my struggles is I come to him and I confess I can't do it, but you can. And I get that vertical perspective where I say, Lord, deliver me. I don't look to the enemy. I don't look to my past. I don't look to the problem. I look to the one who gives me victory. And when God got their attention, verse 15, he then told Moses, listen to this. Here's your word for 2022. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me now? Tell the sons of Israel to what? What were they to do next? It's in the Bible. Read it. What's it say? To go forward. What are you going to do in 2022? What, what's, what's this next year going to look like? you got two options. You can cave to the enemy. You can say, man, I can't have victory. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. The pull is too strong. Or you can go forward. When you come back next Sunday, and you will all be back next Sunday, and it will be 60 degrees warmer, God's will be done. And as we gather together next week, we'll see the very next step in the journey of faith of what happens if you dare to choose to go forward. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, come on now. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with what you've just heard? Now, you can hear a history lesson and say, wow, we just went through half the book of Exodus, and oh, I saw it went to... Well, or you can see you in the Exodus. You can see your need to be delivered from your bondage, from the God of this world and from sin. You can see yourself in the story, or you can just heard a sermon from a preacher. But if you heard the word of God today, God's word is speaking to you, and God is saying to you one of two things. Either you need to place your faith in the blood of the Lamb and be delivered. You need to start a journey of faith. That's number one. There's some of you in this room or some of you online, and that's God speaking to you right now and saying, you've tried everything. You've tried religion. You've tried being good. You're looking to your works, but it doesn't work. You can only be set free through the blood that was shed for you on a cross. In my substitute, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world, Jesus. Maybe for the first time it makes sense to you, and, and, and today you need to say, Lord, save me. I see it now. And God, I want to put the blood of you over my life. My faith is in you this day. I give you my life. Is that you? Right now, you pray. Start this year. Start your faith journey right now by trusting Christ. If that's you, pray and say, God, save me. He will. It's that simple. You say, it's that simple? Yeah, just give him your life. What did Israel do? They just simply put the blood of the lamb over their home. That gave them life. Faith God in what he has said. Whoever will believe in their heart shall be saved. Believe right now. Say, God, I give you my heart, my life. If that's you online, write to us. Email us. 
you're in this room, come to one of the staff in a moment and say, man, today I'm starting 2022 with Jesus. I trust him to save me. I know there are a lot of you, you wouldn't be out on a 14 degree weather day without knowing Jesus. But that doesn't mean you know victory. They knew the Lord. They were God's people. They'd been delivered. And yet they still struggle with attacks of the enemy. You do too. I do too. The question is, how will you face those attacks? Vertically or horizontally? Will you face them looking to God to be your deliverer? Or will you try to overcome those issues in your own strength? I pray that today you choose to go forward. You choose to say, God, deliver me. God, give me the strength for the next step. God, I'm going to take one day at a time, one step at a time. God, that is my commitment. I'm not going to be committed to stopping this or stopping that. I'm going to be committed to following you one day at a time. Would that be your prayer? Maybe your prayer is, Lord, I need to go vertical. I need to get back to focus on the things above, not the things of this earth. God, every day, that will be my new perspective. Maybe that's your prayer. Or you can live like you did last year or the year before that the year before that. Father, in Jesus' name, be our deliverer. Destroy the enemy. Wherever there is bondage in this place, set the captive free. Lord, you told us that you came not just to be the Savior of the world, but to set the captive free. God, give us freedom today. Not more willpower, not more strength, simply your holy deliverance. God, set us free from the lies, set us free from the habits, Set us free from the sin. And fill us with your spirit to make that next step forward. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our staff are here at the front. Let's stand together.